All right, my pretty friends, welcome to the Girl Fuel podcast. My name is Haley. I'm a registered dietitian and nutrition coach here with my two assistant nutritionists, Zoe and Lizzie. And we are here to help you along your health and fitness journey by providing evidence and experience-based knowledge and full transparency. In today's episode, we are going to be talking a lot about how to go about your journey and if you should be tracking your macros, intuitively eating, doing a little bit of both, and kind of trying to remove the two camps, right? A lot of people are pro macros and they bash intuitive eating or vice versa. And we're trying to help you see them as tools and show yourself that you can have a mix of both in the long run. So with that, I want for us to dive right in. And Zoe, you can start us off with what is intuitive eating to you? Because that is primarily how you coach. Yeah. So intuitive eating is trusting your body to make food choices based on your own physiological, emotional, and rational cues. So not taking into account diet culture or outside influences. So it's listening to your instinct, your emotion, but also using your rational thinking to make the best choices for yourself. So this is a process that takes a lot of time to get into. Often we think of intuitive eating as just a switch. Either you're eating intuitively or you're tracking your food. However, um, there are some steps in order to quote unquote, properly intuitively eat so that you are getting the most benefit. And there are a lot of benefits to intuitive eating. But before we get into anything like that, um, what intuitive eating is not. So it is not a free-for-all of just eating anything and everything in sight without any sort of mindfulness. It's all based on your internal regulation of yourself. So Oftentimes when we think of intuitive eating, people think, oh, if I eat intuitively, I'm just going to eat Ben and Jerry's. I'm going to go to the drive-thru for every single meal, and I'm just going to eat a box of cereal at a time. And that is not eating intuitively because it's not using our rational thinking as well as our emotions and our physiological cues to eat. So long story short, eating intuitively means that you can trust your body and your emotions around food so that you can fuel yourself without needing to rely on numbers, trackers, or outside influences. Awesome. No, that's a good explanation. And I think at least at some point in my journey, I viewed intuitive eating as the freedom to eat foods I wouldn't normally, right? To go out to eat and order something extravagant where now I know that it requires education to intuitively eat, right? You have to have some background nutrition knowledge. You have to start to understand, well, what does my body really need? What do these foods do for me? And in my opinion, that's where having spent some time tracking or spending some time tracking or at least being aware of, oh, hey, like at this meal, I'm really going to focus on having a protein, a carbohydrate, a fat, a veggie, whatever it is. And learning that way is very helpful before you do dive into intuitive eating. And that's something that we do a lot on the team, especially Zoe. We'll take clients who have been tracking with us for years and slowly start to teach them how to dive into intuitive eating, which is something that we can 
we can definitely go over. Um, but when it comes to, you know, well, what is tracking your macros? I'm sure it's something that most of you who listen to this are familiar with, but there are lots of ways to track your macros depending on what season of life you're in and how experienced you are. But the biggest thing that I want to preface this with is that just because you're tracking your macros doesn't mean that you have to be perfect because perfection doesn't exist. Even within the macro tracker, it doesn't exist. We don't know that the food entries are accurate. We don't know that every single thing, every single packaged product is exactly the same. And nor does it matter if your tracking is perfect. It's not an all in all out experience either, which I think a lot of people make it out to be, right? Like if I can't be perfect, if I can't zero out my macros, I might as well not track and I might as well just go off go off the wall and eat whatever I want. When in reality, tracking is just a tool, right? It is just something that I have clients do to start building awareness and education, right? When we give a client a new plan, usually we'll give them their starting macros. And especially if it's a client who's newer to tracking, we will, Lizzie and I mostly, walk them through, okay, based on the foods that you told us that you enjoy, this is how you could build a balanced meal. And when I say balanced meal, I usually mean filled with a serving of protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And that's also where we'll start to educate our clients around, okay, well, around exercise, we want to prioritize carbs. Around nighttime, we want to prioritize this. But there are a lot of different ways to start tracking your macros if you're feeling overwhelmed with all of the different numbers to hit. And I often start clients with just calories, just start tracking your calories, build awareness, start understanding, oh, these potatoes yield carbohydrates. Those give me energy. Awesome. How did I feel after I ate that meal with that macronutrient composition? And once you start to get a little bit better at just calories, we'll usually shift our focus to protein and calories. There's actually research to show that just by eating more protein alone, regardless of if you're training or not, you can gain more muscle and lose more body fat. Especially as we age, protein is probably the most important macronutrient to keep track of first. And as you start to get, you know, more swing in your step, more consistency, more education, we can start tracking all three macronutrients if that is something that aligns with your goals. And as far as benefits go, um, the main benefit that I see is education. I think it's really important to be able to, whether you're at home or you're out in public, understand, okay, this is what my body needs right now. Even if I'm not tracking it, my body still needs something along these lines. So that's where, you know, when I'm helping a client transition from tracking to intuitive eating, we will essentially put the training wheels on first and say, hey, like, why don't we do an untracked meal this week? I want you to pay attention to how you feel, pay attention to your fullness signals, be present, and then let's talk about it after. But I think a lot of people have trouble in both camps. Would you guys say that a lot of clients or even personal experience, you have a, you've had people have a hard time taking time off from tracking or even getting started? Oh, absolutely. There's a big burnout factor. I think that we don't really talk about a lot mm -hmm. in nutrition tracking where it's such a great tool, right? Like you said, it teaches us, okay, what is actually in our food? Because it's really not common knowledge. It's not something that we're really taught. No. So it's really helpful for that. But at the same time, especially for me, I run into clients that they are so just overwhelmed by the process, even though they are great at tracking their macros, they know my fitness pal inside and out, they can plug everything in, but eventually they hit this breaking point where it just becomes such a big cognitive load that we get this huge mental resistance to actually tracking. And then that's where we start to have that really unhealthy relationship mm -hmm. with the tracker. And 
That's where I think bringing it back to the education for the client is so important. And that's where we can do things like rather than talking about specific numbers, which is something that I do see a lot is very triggering for many clients who are hitting this burnout point is they start to get really overwhelmed and obsessive. And so we can zoom out a little bit and say, well, how was your energy going into and after this meal? What colors were on your plate? Looking at the amounts without necessarily measuring them. So there's little steps that we can take to still be educational and still tracking without necessarily looking so hard at those numbers. Definitely. And that's where too, and I want Lizzie to go into this because I know this is mostly what you do now, especially, you know, when you are very athletic, it's important to understand how to feel your body. And I think that this is why I often track all the time. Because I think, you know, when you're used to tracking and you let yourself truly eat intuitively, and I'm talking like without any restrictive mindset or like food fear or kind of like a clean mental slate about it, just kind of being neutral with food, which is something I think can happen for a lot of people. Um Sometimes we fall into two camps of one, either intuitively under eating, which I see most often. And that's what I do often. If I intuitively eat, unless I'm at home in my normal setting saying, oh, this is what I always have for lunch. I'm just going to add this instead. Um, If I'm out and about on the weekend, which I will often intuitively eat on the weekend, I will sometimes under eat. So that's where sometimes, you know, having that knowledge of tracking, but also being able to be in tune with my body. So I'm not waking up in the middle of the night hungry. I'm not ravenous and have a headache the next day. And for someone like Lizzie, who runs, I don't even know how many miles each week a lot. It's very important that she eats enough to not burn out and not get injured. So Lizzie, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your journey with tracking and kind of what you do now. Yeah, totally. So back in the day, I think I've mentioned this on here. I have like a history of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, which ended up like resolving itself. And like physically, I was like healthy and a healthy weight, but I was still like pretty obsessed with my fitness pal. Like, I think it tells you like your streak and my streak was like 900 days or something mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like it was a crutch that I needed to like track everything, even though like most days I ate pretty much the same thing. Um, and then it was really not until this summer, I was just like in the mountains every day doing my thing. Um, and I just stopped caring, which was actually super nice. Um, so all summer, pretty much I was like intuitively eating, uh, which was great because I would like do a big run and then like eat an entire pizza. And I'm like, it works, you know? (laughs) Um, but then getting ready for my most recent race, I had some like bigger training runs and like workouts that I cared a lot about. And so for those days I would pull my fitness pal. I had to redownload it actually, which was fun. (laughs) Um, and rather, I feel like a lot of people get an app like MyFitnessPal because they're like, oh, I have to like, you know, limit what I eat and track so I don't eat too much. Mm-hmm. And my goal was like, hey, make sure you eat enough. And it's pretty like coming from that like eating disorder background. Like it's a little alarming sometimes to be like, oh, I've eaten 4,500 calories today or something. Like it's a big number. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. five to 110 pounds. I'm a small human. <laughs> um, but yeah, so hitting those goals for me was like super important. But it helped because I also like you, like if I'm intuitively eating, sometimes I'll just kind of like under eat, especially if I'm tired. Cause like the last thing I want to do after running 30 miles is like cook a meal. I just want to like lay on the floor. <laughs> but so yeah, like having that goal of like, okay, I need to hit like 4,000, 5,000 calories, um, definitely helped. And having that app 
allowed me to track it. And I wouldn't do it every day, just on like days that I found like more important training wise. Um, and then I'll also track like going into like long runs or races. I'll have goals for like carbohydrates. I need calories. I need, um, and I find that really helps for not only like performance during your workout, but also recovery. Cause if you like, okay, you can get through a workout under fueled and it might feel pretty crappy, but your recovery is going to really suffer after if you're already in that calorie hole. So if you can do that workout well-fueled, you'll feel better and you'll just recover faster so you can like get back to it. Definitely. So I think a big, you know, theme of what Lizzie and I both mentioned is it's just as important not to undereat as it is when some people may say to overeat. And that's the idea with intuitive eating too, though. You might have days where you're feeling a little bit hungrier and you do consume more and that's great. And you may have days where you're a little bit less hungry and you may not consume as much. Um, but I find that, and Zoe, I want your, how you approach this with clients. When you are pursuing a body composition driven goal and assuming, you know, your mental space is pretty good, tracking at least most of the time does have its benefits when it comes to making sure that you're actually going to make the progress that you need to make. And it goes both ways, right? Like I think one of the most important times to track isn't even when you're dieting. It's when you're reverse dieting, especially if you like me, I actually did a post on this well, today. Um, you'll see it. You'll see this episode tomorrow pop on Friday um, about the three things I wish I did differently when I started my fitness journey. And one of them was, was that I wish I ate more calories because I spent like four years of my life eating a thousand calories, which even being a small human, that is like half of what I need to eat. So by doing my first reverse diet and tracking, I was able to prove to myself, hey, you can eat 200 calories more this week and nothing bad is going to happen to you. You're going to feel a lot better. And then you, I was able to look back and same thing for clients. Like, hey, look, you used to eat 1,000 calories. This is how you looked. This is how you told me you felt. And now you're eating 2,000 calories. And this is how you say you feel. And this is how you look. So we're kind of removing that stigma that in order to change your body, you have to eat less because that's not often that's usually not the case. Usually at some point in order to change your body, you need to eat a lot more than you ever think you would. And I find that that is very hard to do intuitively unless you are just going like and getting ice cream every night or something like that. Um, So that's where making sure that you're nourishing your body is part of it. But something that I think we all do a really good job of when people are tracking their macros and they say they want to start that way with us is making sure that their mindset is healthy throughout, right? Like I always ask my clients like, hey, like especially around the holidays, how are you feeling? Like, are you able to go out to eat whether you track or not and not feel stressed? Yes, no. Okay, if you're not, like why don't we try an untracked meal and focus on all those things Zoe and I talked about, being present. How did you feel after? What was on your plate? What did you like about it, right? Um, because I think the ability to go back and forth, whether it's for one day or whether it's for three months, makes you mentally tough. And it makes this whole fitness, health, nutrition thing very sustainable in the long run. Um, and I would love for Zoe to kind of give her take on changing your body while intuitive eating. What does that look like? Yeah. So this is certainly a tricky and I'll be honest, pretty like controversial topic when it comes to intuitive eating. Um, because 
you know, part of intuitive eating and a lot of, especially what we see on social media, um, we do get into like these dichotomous camps. Like we talked about of like, you know, tracking is evil. And then like, we really just don't have to worry about any, anything, you know, like whatsoever. And then just the very like strict tracking camps mm. and it's tricky. So if you say have like bodybuilding aspirations, you are probably not going to be someone who is going to eat intuitively and reach their goals. You're doing something that requires a different amount of manipulation for your physiology. So it makes sense. We have to have data so we can, you know, use that data to create a plan and then move forward. The difference here is like you have a very specific goal, right? Usually for a bodybuilder, it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to start prep. I'm going to go through this process. And there's always a time on it. And for those who just say want to hit a body recomposition goal um, in general, as long as they have a timeline, that's where it is really helpful for them to track, right? For them to be like, I'm here's my game plan. I have a periodized plan. Here's the steps I'm going to go throughout. That way we can prevent that diet burnout, like you mentioned, Haley, of just being like underfueled. Because most of the time, you are not going to be able to eat intuitively and purposely manipulate your body in any direction. And part of the benefit of intuitive eating and why I recommend it to honestly 90% of women that I talk to is because often if you're not in a competitive sport, if you're not an athlete in that way, as far as being competitive, where you need to hit a specific goal, you are really probably not going to be able to follow through with the dedication and healthy mindset that it takes to track your food and get to where you want to be. Right. And we tend to think that, oh, I can just, you know, like you said, I can cut down on like the ice cream a little bit and I can just cut down on this and I can have no awareness. And that's where I do see frustration because we are confusing dieting with intuitive eating, right? Like trying to purposely put ourselves in a, in a caloric deficit. And with intuitive eating, this is the best way to just sit and just maintain, yeah. maintain your physique. But the beauty of it is, so when you're sitting there and you're eating intuitively, for example, for myself, my body composition has changed in the last two years because I have the energy to show up and do different things in my life. Mm -hmm. So I can go for longer mountain bike rides. I can go to the bike park. I can go for a hike, right? I can do all these things because my body's at maintenance. I haven't recently been in any sort of caloric deficit. And so therefore I've gotten the body composition changes that I've wanted in terms of overall, I do have less body fat and I have more muscle. Was that the intention of my intuitive eating? Absolutely not. However, did my body find a much happier maintenance over time? Certainly. But if I had been so focused on changing my body composition as the outcome of intuitive eating, I would have been number one, super pissed off at myself because I wouldn't have gotten steady results, right? Not tracking data, not making a plan. I'm not going to get to where I want to be. And then I would have been really bitter about the concept of intuitive eating. And I think that that's where a lot of people do become bitter because we're trying to reach body composition goals. And it literally just doesn't make sense while you're trying to do something to keep your body in this really happy medium because intuitive eating doesn't mean an exceptional amount of fat gain. First of all, fat gain is inherently not a bad thing, right? There's a healthy amount of body fat to have. And so that's part of it too, right? Is the goal of intuitive eating is to not get rid of your body fat. And we kind of see that marketed right now a little Mm -hmm. bit of like, oh, you can just eat intuitively and like you can get this body that you want. But the whole one of 
the concepts of intuitive eating, right, is having that autonomy to say, I don't need to listen to diet culture and make my body smaller using an eating method just because it exists. And that's kind of what we've done a little bit with intuitive eating. So if you're looking to make a body composition change, 100%, I think you should track your data. And I think that you should use it to your advantage. Use the education and the tools that you have because you're going to get there faster. If you want to eat intuitively and then maintain, I think that is super reasonable. And again, right, like one of the biggest benefits of intuitive eating, but I don't truly think that we can get very specific changes unless we're using data. It's just not going to get there. Zoe, what would you say for a client who came to you and was like, Hey, I really want to start eating intuitively, but I think I'm just going to eat Doritos and Oreos all day. Cause I get that a lot. People are like, Oh, great concept, but I'm just gonna eat junk food all day. Like, how do you approach that? Yeah. So first, first things first is kind of establishing like, okay, are we getting into the realm of actually binge eating or are we overeating to the point of maybe we are full and we're not used to being full, right? Mm-hmm. Cause there's like a very uncomfortable feeling that comes with just recognizing that fullness within your body. Um, and the second thing is that restriction breeds restriction. So if you tell yourself or you have not been able to have Doritos, the ho-hos, the ice cream, whatever, You are not going to just eat a bag of it every single day, all day, forever, right? If you allow yourself to have it, you're going to cut yourself off. And kids are actually a beautiful example of this. Mm -hmm. Not a mother myself, but really like studying that adolescent psychology with nutrition. Like if we do not restrict ourselves and we allow ourselves to have food as it exists, we will cut ourselves off. We will absolutely have moments of overeating where we say, hey, that doesn't feel good. But that is how we learn, right? We learn by doing an action and having a consequence. And so we will have those consequences. Now, of course, there will be people, right, where if they have binge eating disorder, this is not going to work. They really need to work with an intensive therapist. But for most people, if you say, hey, you can go to the gas station and you can get the small bag of chips, right? You can buy it. You have permission to buy it. You can go every single day. You can go multiple times a day, but you're making that choice to go buy it. And so I tell people that the more that they're really fearing these foods, the more that that's an indication that we need to question number one, why are we restricting it? And number two, how can we allow this in our life? Because you may find that, yeah, you have a client and they have Oreos and milk every single night for a week, right? So first of all, as you know, challenging them to be like, well, why would that be bad? right? If this is something where physically they feel great after mentally and emotionally, they feel super satiated, then why are we calling it a bad habit? Right. And over time, you're probably not going to want to have Oreos every night. And if you do, you know that you can have the Oreos the next night. So you're less likely to sit and have the whole pack, right? Mm -hmm. Because it just becomes a part of your routine. You can have it anytime you want. For those who really struggle and they say, oh man, but I literally cannot go buy the ice cream because I will go and I will eat it all at once, no matter what. That's where I tell them, don't go to the grocery store and buy a big pack of it. Go to the gas station. Like I mentioned, the convenience store, get individual size packs, have accountability in your household of like, we don't need to hide it. We don't need to, you know, like get rid of it or throw it away. We're just going to plan of like when we're going to have it. And when we do, more importantly, not guilting ourselves, because if we say allow ourselves to have the Oreos and the entire time we're telling ourselves, this is so bad, 
I'm ruining my progress. This is awful. I feel this way, that way, whatever, then we are going to associate that food with a really negative image, right? Like a really negative feeling. And so going into it being like, this is enjoyable. What am I feeling right now? And just by tapping into our sensations and how we're feeling while we're eating it, we start to make that more positive association. So instead of looking at Oreos and going, oh my God, I can't stop myself. You look at it and go, wow, I can't wait to go cozy up on the couch later with my warm milk and my couple of Oreos. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, feeling guilty about eating a cupcake significantly like worse for you than eating the fucking cupcake. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. And I tell people, so like a little actionable advice here is act like a, a young child when it comes to your own mental triggers with this stuff. So say the cupcake, your body's like, Oh, this is really bad. Why is it bad? Like asking yourself why it's bad. And then usually you go down the rabbit hole of like, oh, well, it has sugar. Of course it's bad. But why is the sugar bad? Like, and you can literally break this down. And when I do this with clients at the end, usually we both end up laughing because we're just like, well, that was a fun rabbit hole. But like, we got to the bottom of that real quick, right? Because nine times out of 10, actually almost 10 out of 10, I will say there's no problem with the food. It's not bad. I mean, unless it's like me, I'm definitely allergic to peanut butter. If I start eating peanut butter cookies, right, we're going to have a problem. But outside of that, um, yeah, we can really break away from a lot of that fear that we had. But it starts with not running away from the guilt, right? Mm Because like what happens, Lizzie, for example, when you feel like, say, guilty about eating something, then like what do you end up feeling like physically in your body? Uh, You feel terrible. Stressed. Yeah. And then how does that like then go and impact the rest of your day? Well, then for the rest of the day, you're like, oh, I have to like, I can't eat as much. I have to restrict or like, I'll do an extra workout or like, like, I know I used to do this all the time. Like in high school, college, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to like enjoy this dessert and like eat whatever. But tomorrow I'm going to eat 800 calories and 120 miles. Like, oh, and then that wouldn't happen. Or maybe I would start the day like that. And then I would like binge at night Mm -hmm. and then like the cycle would continue. And it's like, like we talked about earlier, there are some days where you're going to eat more and that's great. Um, and if you trust your body, it'll like regulate itself out and you don't yeah. need to do that whole restrict binge cycle. Not being reactive. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to. Like you described as you ended up in a very reactive state rather than responding to maybe what you actually needed at the time. And kind of a little side note takeaway that actually does relate to this, I promise. This week, I had clients that had a discovery of sometimes we have physical needs that are driving our want to overeat, and especially foods that we normally restrict Mm -hmm. because that's what our brain is going to go to. So, especially with winter season, um, you know, just with the weather, but also with the holiday season, really, really rough for a lot of people. And this week, I had two different clients who had a physical need. One of them needed some sensation input. She was like, I literally needed a hug. She's like, I paused. And I was like, I just needed to feel something physically. And I wanted to go and like eat the donuts or eat the cupcakes. And instead I went and I like, she literally asked a coworker for a hug. She was like, I need to ask for a hug right now. And they were like, yeah, of course, like I'll give you a hug. And then miraculously enough, all of a sudden she wasn't craving diving into the sweets at work because she was like, wow, I actually, I wasn't hungry. This is what I needed. I had another client this week who was cold. She had a busy day at work and she was really cold and her body was telling her just go eat the bag of chips, 
go to the gas station and buy a bag of chips and just eat it because that's what we've done in the past when we're physically uncomfortable. And because we asked her to pause and set a 10 minute timer and just ask herself, what do I really need right now? Let me just breathe. She was like, oh my God, I'm really cold. She turned on the heater in her car and she actually drove away from the gas station because she was like, I don't need to eat this anymore. I'm actually cold. And so if we find ourselves really struggling with maybe this cycle, right, of like having foods, feeling really bad about it, and then getting in restriction or overeating, just kind of pausing, maybe setting that 10 minute timer for yourself and being like, what do I need? And not necessarily in the way of food, right? What do I need in general? What am I feeling? And sometimes it is something that's like kind of silly, right? And that's okay. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I think you guys brought a lot of great points when it comes to debunking for yourself those those fear foods those are things you restrict and showing yourself well what is really going to happen if I eat this thing and I think that goes if you're tracking or not like that's something that I do primarily coach through tracking macros um but I will say that everyone on my roster right now even my off-season competitors we challenge ourselves to take time away from tracking you know once you have the guidelines of I understand what my body needs I've tracked I know what feels good. I know what I enjoy. We want to challenge ourselves to stay out of that box of tracking means all in tracking is the only way I'm going to get results because you can be on track to lose weight, tracking your macros and do an intuitive week and still be fine. I actually had a client. She's she's postpartum and she was on vacation last week and we planned a diet break. And I was like, Hey, like if you want to like loosely track or not even track, like you're fine. Just make sure you eat enough. And she did. She felt refreshed. She came back and she was like, I feel really ready to track. Like I was feeling burnt out from meal prep, but now I'm feeling good about it. And I think that's where having different seasons of your fitness journey is really important. Like Zoe mentioned, if you're really trying to change your body, if you're dieting or if you're reverse dieting and you, we need that data, we probably do. You should be tracking, but I think all of us on the team, we really take priority in making sure your relationship with food stays healthy while you're tracking. That's something we ask our clients every week. How are you feeling about your relationship with food in your body? How are you feeling about the choices that you're making? Um, And I'll encourage my clients to take time off from tracking. One of my girls, Christy, if she listens to this, she's we've been working together for like almost three years. And when we started, and she won't mind me sharing this, she was just coming off of an eating disorder, like very disordered patterns of restriction and doing orange theory and lots of cardio and trying to burn calories. And we started together and she got into strength training and she absolutely fell in love with figuring out how strong she could be. And we got her food up pretty quickly to a point where she was just feeling like a savage. She had so much energy. Her sex drive was better. And she was showing herself, hey, even though I'm tracking, I can fit fun foods in. And that's part of the part of tracking that I want a lot of people to take away from this. Obviously, unless you're in a contest prep and you really need to stick to your meal plan, you should be able to go out to eat while you track and guesstimate. You know, the world's not going to end. You're not going to gain 20 pounds if you track or if you don't track. But the biggest thing to remember is it's all how you handle it mentally. It's all how you talk to yourself beforehand. It's how you talk to yourself during it and after. Because like Zoe even mentioned, the stress around it all physiologically can make things a lot worse for you. It can induce cravings. It can cause GI distress. So that's where having the education and also the trust in yourself to step away from that tracking sometimes or to know, hey, I need to be tracking right now, or maybe I don't. So back to my Christy story, because I got off topic like usual. 
So for the first couple of years, it was, we were increasing her calories. We did a gaining phase where she tried to gain weight and muscle and we succeeded. And during that we would do untracked meals. So I'd say, Hey, track normally all day and then go out to dinner with your fiance at the time. They're married now and eat what you want. Listen to your hunger cues. Stop when you're, when you're feeling satisfied and see how you feel the next day. And at first, you know, there was definitely some guilt that we talked through associated with it. She'd wake up the next day and be like, Oh, the scale wasn't up. That was really cool. Obviously, the scale is not the only measure of data there, but that was something that she could blatantly see. Um, but now, you know, it's been a couple of years. We dieted for her wedding, which was in May. We reverse dieted. She did great. But now she's been in maintenance for months. And maintenance, it was hard because she was like so used to seeing physical changes every week with fat loss. And now maintenance, we have to shift our gears towards gaining strength and also being able to enjoy more life. So... I gave her the challenge to intuitively eat every single weekend because she's social. Her boyfriend, her oh husband, is a football coach. She's going to games. She's eating out. She's doing celebration. She wants to include alcohol. And that was a challenge for herself. Her other challenge, which she did a great job of this week, was to include more foods that she doesn't usually eat. You still need to rotate your food choice if you track your macros, friends, because your, your gut loves it. And also, you know, it's that freedom. But this past week, she intuitively ate the entire week. And she told me that she had zero guilt. Didn't second guess herself once. She just listened to her body, which speaking from experience is really hard to do. Like I remember Zoe, I visited you in North Carolina and this is right, right when I started having gut issues and Zoe's gluten-free and doesn't eat nuts. So I was like, Hey, this will be easy. I have to eat gluten-free anyway. I'm just going to intuitively eat because I knew we were going to eat out and we had, Oh my God, some of the places we went were so good. I like lived for that taco bowl. So I'm going to have to go get one after this. Oh my God. I'm jealous. But I will be honest, the first couple days when I was saying I was going to intuitively eat, even though I was eating similar breakfast, similar, similar snacks and stuff, I still second guessed myself a lot. Like, oh, was that enough food? Am I going to be hungry later? Am I, did I eat too much? Am I full? And that is normal. It's normal to have those feelings. And I think a lot of it with both regards, whether you're tracking or not, is giving yourself the time to level out, giving yourself the time to say, hey, it's okay that I don't fully understand what my body needs right now. And I'm going to go through the bumps in the road. It's okay if I'm not good at tracking my macros yet. I'm giving it my best effort. It's okay that I don't fully trust my body. I'm trying every day and trying to debunk those those thoughts that are ruminating in my brain. So, you know, I think we'll want to round this out here soon with where to start and how to know if tracking is right for you or not. Anyone want to take the lead on this one? Um. I know if you are currently dealing with disordered eating or an eating disorder, tracking is probably not healthy for you. No. should be a big no. Um, and I know because that was me and I did that and it just made my like recovery so much slower. Um, because I, for me personally, like the whole disordered eating thing was about like an obsession and control yeah. and controlling those numbers and staring at those numbers every day. Like it's just not what you need. And yeah. So that's yeah, my biggest thing. Yes. Yes. One obsession to another. Um, so that'd be my big, like, Hey, don't track if this is you right now. That's a good point. And two, I think some people might notice that we do talk about eating disorders and disordered eating quite a lot on this podcast. And well, that is not my niche and it is not Lizzie's niche. It is Zoe's. So that is why we talk about it a lot. Um, we have guidelines in place 
being that we are nutrition professionals, we are not therapists, but if you are working with a therapist or if you're in a good place, not haven't been hospitalized, all that stuff, um, it's always a great option to help you through those disordered eating paths. Because I think, I feel like people are probably like, well, why do they talk about it so much? And it is because it is something that we're passionate about. <laughs> and it's so common. Like it so is. many people have that history. And like, I never realized this because I never talked about my history with that yeah. um, for a while. And then I started talking about it with people. I'm like, oh, wait, you too. Oh, you too. Yeah. Oh, you too. Yeah. It's so common. That's so how a people. lot of our journey started, whether it was like a full-blown, hey, you have this, you're hospitalized, you're not. A lot of us start that way because we're females and we're scared and we're taught we need to be thin and we need to not eat that much because we're small or we shouldn't be doing that or whatever it is. This food is bad. There's so much junk out there on the internet yeah. and in magazines and even in some gyms, which really hurts me. Like the number of clients that I got, like I have had in the last like six years that came from a CrossFit challenge that were told they shouldn't eat carbs. And I was like, oh my God, why? Why is this Okay. Yeah, Gym I mean, challenges are the worst. I'm the worst. You. They are. They are like next to. I'm not. I'm never mind. I'm not going to say it. But a very popular, <laughs> numbered program that people like to do that involves a lot of nonsense. Yes, I, I mean know. Haley. I think when we met, seventy five like, hard. I'm just going to say it. Oh fuck, seventy five hard. Watchers? Right? Work out two watchers? hours a day. Get no, seventy five oh, hard. Seventy five hard. Where you like work out twice oh, a day and that. like work out twice a day oh. and like you crazy limit your food intake and you're supposed to do all this like forced like personal development, which is a whole other like rant for another day. <laughs> That's another day. Back to like the disordered eating. So it's so common to have disordered eating behaviors. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I know we all see it with client intakes, right? We see yep. transferred disordered behavior and all of a sudden it's into like almost the realm of like orthorexia where yeah. they're like, oh, I totally have a super healthy relationship with food, but I avoid gluten and seed oils because they're going to kill me and they're very toxic. And I also don't eat meat, but like sometimes I do if I can like meet the cow and you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that was me, but I'd idea. never meet the cow. I'd be you like, but, I'd be like, I'm allergic to dairy, but if my friends go out for froyo, I'm obviously going to get four cups. Literally. So here's the thing. And, and I shit my, my pants big, for like a week. Yeah. And that is my, such a big indicator of like, if you are noticing that all of a sudden there's food rules that you are willing to forego, especially in a social or emotional circumstance, red freaking flag that that is not a healthy relationship with that food because that is not a healthy behavior when it comes to approaching food. And again, what we see is this healthified disorder of everyone's like, oh yeah, it's totally great if if you obsessively track. And you know, people who say that you are unhealthy if you're constantly thinking about food and obsessive about it mm -hmm. are just, you know, they're miserable, they're jealous, they're whatever. And that just feeds that personality. I'm sure Lizzie, that you can yeah. resonate with this. It feeds that type A personality. And also this very much like hierarchy that comes with the disordered eating of like, oftentimes they're a, we are better than them. If we restrict, if we don't eat this and mm. it's so, it's so complicated. Um, but it's just important to note that, especially online, we see a lot of disordered behavior and it's not necessarily normal. Definitely. And I think a lot of people too, and this is unfortunate, but I've had it happen with clients. Like they just don't know that what they're doing is disordered. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people out there too, who do have a good relationship with food or have a good chance to do so. I think for a lot of people, 
it is a lack of education. And those are like most of the clients that we'll take on, right? I get clients all the time who come to us eating 1300 calories, exercising every day and frustrated why they're not seeing change or, you know, their thyroid is in the dump. Um, And then we just educate them and teach them about fueling their body and how that process goes. And they're like, oh yeah, like this makes so much more sense. I feel so much better. And that's where I think tracking macros has its place and it can show you that, hey, like, look, you're eating more, you're eating better foods, you enjoy more variety, and we're seeing positive outcomes, you know, and I've had clients too, who like me had borderline disordered eating tendencies, where tracking did help them, but the way we coach it, not the way where it's a bodybuilding coach coaching a girl who just started in the gym and says, you have to be within five grams of your macros every day. Like no excuses, bring your Tupperware to that wedding where that is not where we stand at all. Um, I always tell people on the phone, like our coaching is so much more than just giving you macros because like you're a human being, you have a life, you have needs, you have emotions and all of that has to come into play. So even if you're tracking your macros, it's very important that you feel you have the skills to get where you want to be, whether you track fully or not, but sustain them. I have so many clients that after we do what they want to do, we reverse, we diet, we reverse and maintain, we get them off of tracking and we teach them how to eat intuitively. I have a client, Brittany, I still write her training. We've more, she's my first ever client. Actually, we've been together online for like four freaking years. Um, and she was one of those people. She just didn't know anything. So she was under eating and not training right. So we did that for a couple of years, did the whole fun rounds of building muscle and losing weight and gaining weight and all these things. And now she's been intuitive leading for like a year and a half and she's just freaking crushing it. And she's feeling great. She's looking great. She has no food rules. She's able to socialize and include alcohol. So that's where it really can come full circle. And that's where I think we all stand that both are very important in a healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think like part of determining, do I have a healthy relationship with food is asking yourself, you know, what is this, what is the purpose of doing this? What is this serving for me in my life? Um, when we're tracking, because if you're answering, well, I am going to get fat. If I don't track Mm -hmm. red flag, you need to step away from tracking and start to look at that relationship. Or if you feel like I can't trust myself without tracking, I don't know what my body needs if I don't track. Those are all signs that if you've been tracking for, you know, 12 months at least, right, which a lot of people have been tracking for a really long time or like cumulatively that long at that point, right, there should be a level of trust that you're like, all right, I either feel like I'm fueled enough or I'm not and I can start to step away. And so if that causes you a lot of fear and hesitation, that's not a sign to cling more to that control. That's a sign to really question that relationship. Because if you've been tracking for three years and say that you get anxious when you open your app, but you're like, whatever, it's just part of the game. And you find yourself over time, you're like, Meh, I don't want to know what's in this. So I'm not going to track it. Mm, and then yep. you find yourself having those little habits. You're basically degrading your own trust in yourself. And 
it's really detrimental in the long run. And so that goes back to you. Why am I tracking? Is there a timeline on my tracking? If not, there should be a good reason. Like, is it because you're like Lizzie and you know that you're going to underfuel, but you are athletic as heck and you're going to be on mountains every weekend. So like, yeah, you need to probably track for an extended period of time. Or again, if you do have those goals that you need to get there in a certain amount of time. But if you don't and you're just like, I could do this forever, it's fine. But again, you find yourself not tracking certain things, just like skipping it in a really negative mindset it really is pertinent that you address that relationship because eventually it will come to a head. Yeah. I think it, I can see both sides of it. Like as far as like having a timeline for tracking and not being that I have personally tracked my macros pretty much consistently for the good part of the last four years. And I tracked long before that, but through college, it was mildly a control disordered thing. Um, but once I started competing and really understanding, oh, like my body needs this, this is, this is how I need to eat at this point. It's just something that I do. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me if I don't track because not my coach probably wouldn't like to hear this, but there, I didn't track half of this week just because I knew that what I need, I knew what I needed to eat and wanted to eat at home. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to track next week to make sure that I'm properly nourishing my body. I'm paying attention to how many grams of carbs I'm getting around my workout so I don't bonk out. So I think that there's a time and place for tracking and not. And that's where I feel like the way that we coach is helpful because we challenge our clients to take time off from tracking, whether it's a month, whether it's a day, whether it's a week. It really depends how much time you need. Everybody's so different with, oh, well, what was the break that worked for you? What is the goal that you're working towards? Does it require you to track or does it not? Yeah. And I think like with you, like you said, yeah, you've been tracking pretty much like since the beginning of college, but your relationship with food and tracking has changed. Cause when I met you oh, yeah. like sophomore year or whatever, like you were eating a thousand calories a day, pretty sure I yeah. also was like, <laughs> like, which also goes to show like, yeah, we were both studying to be dietitians. We were in a nutrition program and we were fueling ourselves terribly, but your relationship oh, I- can change. I think that a lot of people go into nutrition because they have a disordered eating relationship. Yeah, the obsession. It forms it. Like, I remember, like, my junior, senior year, like, a bunch of girls in my class, it it turned out, had eating disorders, like, that developed throughout college. Because in a way, like, we know a lot. And I think that used to bother me for a while that you guys could probably also do this. I could look at a plate and guess how many calories are on it. But now it's take, I wish I had a better answer to how I stopped thinking that way because now I don't do that at all. I can go out to eat and not guess how much I'm eating. I can just eat, I can share an appetizer with you and not worry about how much it is. And that's something that I really try to help my clients do because back to, are you tracking healthily or not? That is a good way to tell because I tracked so unhealthily for so long that that my goal right now, if I'm tracking is to do it in the healthiest way possible, right? Like Lizzie even mentioned through college and after college, like I would purposely not go out to eat with my friend group because I was scared that I wouldn't be able to track it or I would go and we always went to like sports bars and I love a good burger and I would literally get like a salad with nothing on it. I would bring my own dressing and I felt accomplished doing that. But thinking about it now, I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like that was, 
It was sad. I mean, obviously there were times I was in contest prep. So like, I'm yeah. glad I went out still and saw my friends. That was, it wasn't about the food for me at that point. But there were times that I sat there and I envied my friends for eating whatever they wanted and not knowing what was in the food, which I think there is a certain point where tracking can make you know too much. But, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons and having that balance between tracking and taking time off, you can you can do it for a long period of time to reach your goals. Because for most people, you're not going to reach your goals in a year. It is going to take longer than that. It's going to take cycles. It's going to take seasons. It's going to take pushing hard. It's going to take pulling back. So finding that balance within yourself, or even if you need help finding that balance, that's okay, um, is going to be really important to not let your mind take over. Cool. Sweet. We're all just looking at each other and nodding. <laughs> like, yes. You know good it. stuff mic it's, drop kidding my right drop. but real yeah. quick and like yeah. again like another little controversial little tidbit here um I think it's important to also note especially I mean all of us like we said we have various levels of like disordered eating history or eating disorders and I think that just kind of speaks also to the eating disorder to bodybuilder pipeline and mm. how it really is going from one disorder to another like yep. you know the purpose of bodybuilding is not to be the healthiest human right like we do what we need to do to get a certain outcome. And we see a lot, you know, there's so many great people though, who are like bodybuilders who come from that eating disorder background, who are really great to consume their content because they do recognize that and see like, Hey, this is absolutely a disordered behavior. And we need to, you know, recognize that and kind of just like face that demon a little bit. Definitely. And the hardest part about bodybuilding too, especially for those people that go into it for the wrong reasons is it's bodybuilding. Odds are, if you've been dieting your whole life, you're going to have to gain 30, 40 pounds before you ever step on stage. And that's what I did. That was the first time that I ever like let myself gain weight in 2020, 2018. And I freaking loved it. I didn't care that I was getting fluffy because I knew it was for a greater purpose. But it's not that easy. It is really not easy to be in your off season and gain the weight that you need to gain in order to gain muscle. But I think whether you have a bodybuilding goal or not, understanding that sometimes the scale has to go up to gain muscle to look different in general. And sometimes the scale is going to go up and it's okay. Yeah. It's not again, like it goes back to, it doesn't have to be muscle. And this is so much of what we hear of like, oh, like it has to be, you know, it's okay if the scale goes up because of this. So instead I challenge people to be like, what if you just accepted it for what it is? It doesn't have to be good or bad in any direction. It's just data on there. And so that's actually just kind of my final point of what kind of to look out for when it comes to intuitive eating is one of the big benefits of it is an improved body image. We know that people who eat intuitively have a much better body image than those who do not. It's just, we've seen it. And if you find yourself obsessing over the scale or over changes, especially like normal fluctuations in the body, that's a sign that maybe you should try intuitive eating in order to better that relationship, help let go of that obsession so that if you do want to go back to tracking, you can do it without feeling this insane sense of overwhelm when the scale moves in either direction. So there can be that benefit too of like in the long run, hey, I want to be able to do this with my body, but I need to improve this mm. relationship with the scale first. Believe it or not, stepping into intuitive eating, repairing that relationship, and then dipping your toes into that more strict tracking and changes, a lot of people find success there. Definitely. I agree with that. And that's something that obviously you're really good at helping people with. Um, 
And I think too, if you're somebody that has been tracking forever and it is hard to let go of that control, do it in steps. You don't have to pull the rug out from under yourself and cut it cold turkey and delete the app, but challenge yourself. And this is where sometimes having a coach will help for accountability um, because I have some clients that I don't know would do this without me where I'll be like, all right, I want you to not track. And then I want you to text me the next day and how you tell me about it. And like the texts after that are freaking cool. Like I shared nachos and I didn't have guilt and I didn't eat until I was sick. Like, oh my God, that is so cool because guess what? You're probably going to want to go have nachos with your friends again. And guess what? We want to do it without stressing. Whether you're trying to change your body or not, these life things are more important, realistically, you know? So that's where both sides can be consuming. Thinking about your nutrition in, in general can, can be consuming, but it's about finding that personal balance that that suits you and that doesn't feel too overwhelming for you. Yeah. Everyone is so different. And it is a step-by-step process. Like every client that I take from tracking into intuitive eating, the process looks different Mm. every time. You know, we try different tools out to see what works. We figure out what pace we need to go at and it doesn't have to be this switch. And often I do find that this is where people end up having that really negative connotation of intuitive eating is when they do try to do it independently without enough support, right? And then they're like, not totally sure how to do it. They feel like they failed. And it's important to remember that you can't fail. You are going to have learning moments. And that's where I definitely recommend hire a coach for even a short period of time to say, what does this look like? How can you help me be more responsive rather than reactive so that I can continue on this journey and actually get to where I want to be? So it's not something where, you know, I don't always have to have people work with me for like a year. My most successful clients do to like work through the whole process. But a lot of people, even just in a three month period, can have a great periodized you know, step plan away from tracking where they can feel like they can go back into it and not feel stressed, or they can continue with what they're doing and continue to better that relationship. So it can always be incremental. Definitely. Yeah. You have to be open-minded about it and also give yourself some patience because, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of emotions and a lot of other factors, but You know, whether you're tracking your macros or not, hopefully this was helpful. If you're unsure where to start with your macros, which is another thing that I get a lot, especially with all the info on the internet, like all these different calculators, well, this is telling me to eat that and this, um, don't hesitate to reach out. That's something that we can help you with. Um, And if you like this episode, follow us on Instagram, shoot us a message, share the episode with your friends and happy Girls Fuel Friday. Woohoo. Bye, guys. Bye.